0: The Golf and Filtered podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Cog Hill Golf and Country Club. I am so excited to partner with them once again in 2022 because they've got a lot of great stuff going on, including an entirely redesigned and renovated driving range and practice area. It's got top tracer. It's got, what, like 42 heated bays, individually heated, by the way. And it's even got a food truck and much, much more. Such as two bars. Yeah, that's right. Go out to Coghillgolf.com today to learn a little bit more. And of course, you already know about all their great golf courses, Coghillgolf.com. We're also pleased to continue to work with our friends at WorldwideGolfShops.com. You've heard me talk about them many times before. They've got everything you need for golf. They've got apparel, accessories, training aids, all the new equipment. They've got deals like every single day. And going out to WorldwideGolfShops.com might just help you improve your game this golf season. WorldwideGolfShops.com. Welcome to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for all things golf, including in-depth interviews, new equipment highlights, and answers to golf questions you might be too afraid to ask. My goal? To help you learn more about the game so you can enjoy it even more. Let's dive in. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. This is your friend and host as always, Adam from golfunfiltered.com. You can follow me all over social media at golfunfiltered, and you can send me an email, adam at golfunfiltered.com. We are back after a one-week hiatus. Uh, just needed to get a few things organized here in the old home office. Uh, for those who might not know, uh, we are also doing another podcast. It's called Golf Stories. Me and my buddy Chris McEwen from McEwen Media, and we are two of three people at uh, SecondCityGolf.com. Uh, we have been putting together this uh, separate podcast that is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find them, called Golf Stories. The first volume is detailing the experience that I had meeting the anonymous and mysterious Secret Tour Pro Twitter account. Uh, Those who have followed Golf Twitter for a long time probably know the name that I'm talking about, or at least have seen the account. And I really, really enjoy the feedback that we're getting from this. It's a completely different thing than uh, either Chris or I have ever done before. And um, it's very much in the documentary Serial type style and so I uh, hope you like it go out to golf stories uh, volume one you can also go out to uh, golf and by the way we have a podcast page that you could get all past episodes of this podcast as well as golf stories so go and check it out so there's a lot going on in the golf world these days um, we are in the middle of the players championship that's happening right now or maybe not happening they've got some terrible weather down in Florida and uh, here in Chicago, it actually just snowed two out of the last three days. It, it's We're in the weird just-before-springtime time of year where we'll get cold day, mild day, cold day, hot day, and then just kind of goes back and forth among the seasons within a week, it seems. But one of the things I've been able to do, uh, along with a few buddies of mine, is go and hit golf balls. It's good to just get back out there and start swinging the club again. And uh, as I near my 40th birthday here later on this year, I'm realizing that, you know, there are some some moments that you have to take to stretch. <laughs> and Some of you are probably laughing listening to that, but I've been sore for like four days <laughs> after hitting golf balls. Um, but uh, what I'm really looking forward to is uh, trying out a little, uh, a few new pieces of equipment that, that I've uh, received recently and that I've acquired, I should say. Uh, One of which being uh, the Mizuno STG 220 driver. That's a mouthful for uh, a name for a golf club, but I will say that there's a lot of technology that goes into this thing. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that today, as well as one of the main features of this golf club. And that is the adjustable weighting around the uh, sole of the club and what adjustable weighting can do for you. Because Mizuno is not the only brand that offers a driver with this technology of course and there are many golf clubs that position weights in different ways and this is not a new concept but it's an often misunderstood concept as far as how it could benefit your game so that's today's topic so first and foremost trying a new driver at the moment the Mizuno STG 220 it's a golf club that came out late last year in 2021 And, uh, a lot of rave reviews about this thing, you know, ball speed is the term or the metric that everyone's chasing these days. And it's, it's kind of been that way for the last couple of years. And while everyone's talking about other brands like, you know, TaylorMade, Callaway, they're the two big brands that people always think about first and foremost when they think of drivers and for good reason, they make very good equipment. But other brands that may be better known for their irons or wedges or even putters, uh they're making some really good drivers and Fairway Woods nowadays, Mizuno being one of them. And so, uh, admittedly, I've recently gotten to know Mizuno a little bit better. I grew up playing Mizuno. I I remember hitting multiple different types. I had the t way back when, uh, when I was a kid. Bought them from a friend of mine. And uh, that evolved into other iron types. And I think I may have had one driver from Mizuno in the past. I, I don't even recall what the name of it was. But Mizuno has always been in my golf equipment, you know, atmosphere, if you want to say. And so learning a little bit more about the new line and a little bit more to come on that here in a little bit. um, I also learned more about their drivers and the importance of, of course, getting fit for these uh, clubs. That's always number one, but also the ability to fine tune ball flight with perimeter weighting and adjustable weighting on the sole of the club. Now, we have a full review of the uh, STG220 on the website now, golfandfilter.com. And so, some of the finer points that I'll talk about today include the ability to adjust the weight on the golf club. The way that Mizuno does this in this uh, driver, there are three tracks. There's one along the toe of the club, if you want to think of it that way, one along the heel of the club, and then a third right in the middle, kind of towards the back of the sole... Uh, and that is a weight port that is really going to help with launch if you put weights there. Now, the golf club comes equipped with two movable weights. The way that I received it right out of the box was one weight on that toe track, another on the heel track. If you've used golf clubs like this in the past, because Mizuno's not the only brand that has done something like this, you probably already recognize that by moving that weight along either of those two tracks you can influence a fade or draw bias. That's a really important thing to uh, benefit from or something that you could benefit from if you're a golfer like myself that battles one side of the fairway. I have a horrible hook when I'm not swinging the club the best way that I can. I almost naturally play a draw just because of my swing and plane and everything else. But I can kind of dial that back a little bit, quite literally, by moving the weights around a little bit. The great thing about these movable weights is that you can actually position them both on any of these tracks that I just mentioned. That will, of course, re-emphasize or amplify the effect that you're going to get from that weighting. If you've never tried an adjustable weighted driver before, think of it this way. Wherever you put those weights in relation to the toe or the heel, that's going to, while you're swinging, add a little bit of delay to the club face opening or closing, depending on where you position those weights. For example, if you put more weight towards the toe on that top track, the club's going to take more time, whether it be just a few more milliseconds, to actually close. That's why it provides a fade bias. The golf face is going to remain open just for a millisecond longer, and that's going to impact your shot shape. In other words, if you battle a hook like me, maybe you straighten it out a little bit to a nice tight draw. Or, depending on your swing plane, you might actually hit a fade for once. I don't see that very often off the tee. Now, of course, the opposite is also true. If you move those weights down towards the bottom track, which would make it a more draw-biased driver, the club is going to close a little bit faster. So if you have a tendency of leaving your golf face open, or the club face, what's a golf face? I have a golf face then this thing's going to shut down a little bit sooner. Again, just milliseconds here. And that ball's going to hopefully get some side spin so that you can move to the left if you're a right-handed golfer. So what about that third track, that one that I mentioned that the STG 220 has? The one right in the middle of the club towards the back of the sole. Well, as I mentioned before, that primarily helps with center of gravity. That's going to move this club's center of gravity back or forward, depending on where you position the weight again. And that's going to help with a couple different things. Primarily, it's going to help with launch. If you put more weight behind the center of the club, especially when it's directly behind the sweet spot, that's going to impact the launch characteristics of the drive that you hit. In my case, I don't hit the ball very high. In fact, this is something that I've battled along with my hook, for many years. The best thing that any golfer can do to get more distance, and this took me a while to understand, is to actually hit the ball in the air longer. I know that sounds like a no-duh comment, but I think many golfers rely on roll, which is an important factor on any drive, as long as the playing conditions allow for it. Now, the second metric that weight behind the sweet spot or in the back of the club can impact is spin rate. Now, there's a lot that impacts spin rate, actually. Everything from the shape of the club itself to the face to the shaft that you're hitting the golf club with. Oh, and let's not forget the loft of your club as well. That's a big one. Now, this is where a club fitter can really be helpful. They're always helpful, but especially in this instance because you need something to track your spin rate. And I don't know about you, but most golfers don't have a ball launch monitor at home that actually tracks spin rate. There are plenty of personal ball launch monitors out there at affordable prices, relatively speaking. But more often than not, they don't have spin rate there. Or at least there's not a feature on the interface that tracks spin rate. And there's good reason for that. These high-powered cameras and radar technology that... The big names like TrackMan and Foresight use, as well as others, that's really expensive technology. And so to pack all of that into a 500 800 even a $1,000 unit, well, you're going to be hard-pressed to find something like that that provides accurate numbers. Regardless, where you place the weight in that particular port behind the center of the club, that is going to either increase or decrease spin. In many instances. So one of the best things that you can do, especially if you don't have a track man or a foresight, you can just simply see how your golf ball behaves. Now, in my case, when I was hitting the STG, I noticed that in its default setting, with one weight on the upper and lower tracks, the golf ball wasn't staying in the air long enough it almost kind of seemed like it died right at the pinnacle of its height and then sharply dove down. Now, granted, a lot of this had to do with the range balls that I was hitting in my first impression with the club. But I also knew that I needed more lift. So, again, this is where you begin to tinker a little bit. Every golfer is going to do this, especially if they have a club that has the ability to move stuff around. We like to play with our toys. What I found to help me the most was to, you know, bring the loft up a little bit. Out of the box, I believe that the STG was set at 9 degrees, and so I was able to actually bump that up 2 full degrees to 11. Kind of like Spinal Tap, right? Turn it up to 11. Plus, I was able to move one of the weights into that third track, the one right in the middle of the club, and then one down below into the draw bias. Now, that's interesting because you wouldn't think that I would benefit at all from moving weight to a draw-biased position, especially if I fight a hook. And trust me, I, I moved these weights around many times. And I definitely want to verify this with my buddy Chris uh, Campbell, who uh, works for Mizuno. He's, he's a fitter. He helped me out with a few other things and, and will again in the future. But it seemed like this is where I was getting the optimal performance for my swing. And I was able to validate that by, you know, you guys know I go to Cog Hill all the time, and they've got Top Tracer out there, and I hit multiple shots, multiple drives, was able to see the carry, the the, um, uh, pinnacle height, I was able to see the total distance, all those things. They don't have spin rate, but just seeing the ball flight itself, I could see that it was going higher, and a really tight dispersion, a very accurate dispersion as well. Now, overall, I was extremely impressed with this driver. I mean, again, it's not a driver or a brand, I should say, that you would normally think, oh, I got to go grab the newest driver from Mizuno. Let's just call it what it is. But in the age now where everyone, all the brands can do similar things, I'm not going to say the same, but very similar technology across the board, especially for the big-name brands that have the R&D budget to do that, you're going to be able to have the pick of the litter, really. And so, the fact that Mizuno was, uh, who make fantastic clubs, they always have, the fact that they're able to compete in terms of ball speed, performance, accuracy, all the big things that golfers can literally see with their eyes and not need a fancy launch monitor to track, that's pretty impressive. At least it was for me. So, Next steps for me at this point is to get this dialed in a little bit further. As I mentioned, I do want to, you know, run it through a fitter. I want to uh, make sure that this is exactly something I can replicate every single time I step onto the golf course, at least to some degree, because obviously our swings are going to change, especially if we only play, you know, a few times a month. But I also want to get the right golf ball uh, for this particular club. And I know that sounds weird, you know, and I know that as golfers, who don't have tour trucks, you know, backing up to our house every day. We really want to play things that we want to play and not necessarily under the impression that, hey, this is actually the best thing for me. Because, again, there are extra steps you have to take in order to find out what's the best for you. And at times that can be an inconvenience. I totally understand that. The good thing, though, is that I know the climate that I'm going to play in 98% of the time. You know, on the rare occasion that I might go play golf in another state or climate, I might make adjustments to my bag at that point. But for the most part, I know what I'm going to experience every time I step onto a tee box. And so that's going to make the fitting aspect of this even easier for me. So you take one day out of your life, you know, and as golfers, we like to spend money on a ton of different things. We like to spend money on new clubs. New equipment, new accessories, new apparel. There's a lot of great stuff out there, by the way. Um, But do we really take the time to invest in knowing that we're using the right tools for what we do? I I would venture that we don't. You know, a lot of times, especially when we talk about convenience, a lot of times you just want to get out on the golf course and play. You don't want to worry about that stuff. Trust me, I get it. I've had listeners reach out to me. Adam, you're always preaching the importance of getting fit, and you don't get fit every time. Well, no, but I've been fit. I have an understanding of what my game needs based on multiple fittings in the past. But it really is one of the best things you could do for your game, even if you only do it once. And we've talked about this ad nauseum on this uh, podcast in the past. It doesn't matter your handicap level. In fact, those who might think they're not good enough to get fit, well, you're actually the ones who should get fit most often. You're going to improve drastically, especially under the trained eye of a really good professional club fitter. So once again, go out to uh, golfandfilter.com. You could read the full review of my first impressions with the Mizuno STG 220 driver. It's a... uh it's a sleeper this year, I think. It's it's extremely solid. It feels fantastic. That's something that you would expect from Mizuno. Remember, nothing feels like a Mizuno is their uh, their popular tagline. And it's true. You're going to hear about uh, more Mizuno products here in the future. I'm going to be doing a little bit more work with that brand this year. And um, as soon as these, these darn supply chain things uh, can get figured out, hopefully I'll have more clubs to talk to you about uh, from that brand. But... At any rate, to put the equipment talk aside for just a little bit, uh, and back into the overall world of golf, we have uh, we've covered a lot of topics over the last couple of months, and uh, especially in the pro game, with you know all this talk about the uh, Super Golf League and which players from the PGA Tour are going to be going over there and not, and then suddenly everything comes due ahead. Phil Mickelson starts losing sponsors. Uh, players all of a sudden who we thought might be jumping ship, you know, they come, oh no, I'm good, I'm good, PGA Tour all the way, baby. Um, That whole narrative just changed overnight and I can't help but think, and I, I, I am almost positive this is exactly what happened, but social media is, again, it is an animal, you know, and Uh, Let's just call it what it is. These players saw what the reaction was. They saw what Phil did. They saw the reaction to what Phil said. And uh, they didn't want any of that. They didn't want any part of that. Not at all. I definitely believe that uh, some pretty decent, famous names, while not necessarily the best players at the moment, were planning to jump ship. And they may still be. But I also think they're waiting for this to die down. Greg Norman. The commissioner, or whatever the hell he is, of the Super Golf League, uh, he's not backing away. A lot of talk coming out from, uh, you know, the letter that he sent to Jay Monahan over at uh, the PGA Tour. You know, blah blah blah. He, Greg Norman's been pissed off at the tour for years, but I do think that if the Saudi-backed Super Golf League wants to be a thing at all, like even to get off the ground, they have to completely go back to the drawing board right now. They have to. You know, there are still players who are going to be interested. That has been proven to us. All of this chatter and and the press conferences from players like Adam Scott and Lee Westwood and a few others saying, oh, I've been sworn to secrecy. I mean, they're basically telling us that they are going to jump ship. They just signed an NDA and they can't say anything. So that story's not going anywhere. It's just in hibernation right now. And when it picks up again, I guarantee you, I'm going to be talking about it again. You'll probably see me on Twitter, you know, raising hell again, as I typically like to do, or I'm trying to dial that down a little bit. Um, But yeah, they're not going anywhere. Uh, Greg Norman seems to be extremely um, aggressive and passionate about this, probably ill-informed a little bit. He's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder that has grown into probably a a crevice. But uh, yeah, they're not going anywhere you know and then of course in the meantime all of these players are still pledging their loyalty or fealty to use what the term that John Rahm used uh to the PGA tour and of course uh this week being the week of the players championship uh immediately prior we had the world golf hall of fame ceremony where tiger woods inducted introduced by his daughter sam can't believe she's 14 good lord I mean, how old do we all feel now, right? Um, But, you know, a really good Hall of Fame speech. You know, I found it interesting that he didn't, um, you know, mention too many of his, you know, accomplishments past a certain point in his career. And actually, like 20 years ago was the cutoff point, it seemed. And he really focused more on his foundation. And he focused more on his kids and his upbringing and how he got to where he was, even just to have the opportunity to become Tiger Woods. And I thought that was a really good move. You know, when we think of the all-time greats who inevitably get inducted into their respective Hall of Fame, there are some really good speeches, and then there are others like Michael Jordan uh, that weren't what we expected, and some might even say inappropriate. Um, Tiger didn't do that. You know, under all the scrutiny that he's gotten, a lot of it brought onto his own self. Uh, and a lot of it, not so much either. Um, he handled himself and he let himself be be vulnerable. He, he broke down a little bit. He became emotional when he was talking about his parents and the sacrifices they made to, you know, take out a second mortgage to uh, allow him to chase a dream. And it is a story, you know, that we have heard before. You know, the, the element of that is not new. Athletes, greats, whether it be golf or, you know, basketball, baseball, the Olympics, anything. There's always this this support system behind them that makes sacrifices to allow one individual to chase a dream. And for every Tiger Woods or Michael Jordan or Wayne Gretzky or, or you know, pick your favorite all-time great here. For every one of them, there's a million others, I don't know, that don't get anywhere close to that. But the same sacrifices are made. You know, it's kind of a a humbling thing, to a degree, uh, when you learn about the number of people that have to believe in you to get you to that point. And while, look, I get it, golf, it's an elitist game, you know. Most people who play the game at a high level have means to do so. I won't say all, because I know that's not the case, but most do. But at the same token, that doesn't change the fact that a lot of people have to be in your corner. And we've heard, we've seen all the things that have happened to Tiger. I started talking about golf. I started playing golf. I knew what golf was because of Tiger Woods. And this has just been a hell of a story, just to watch this unfold, to be a fan of this person, and understanding that, yeah, there's going to be ups and downs along the way. And there certainly was, and there still may be. But to see him be inducted, introduced by his family, by his daughter, It did give me a sense of, okay, this, this is it. This is the moment I remember feeling when uh, Michael Jordan stopped playing. That was it. And it's hard to not have like a little bit of a selfish mindset because we won't see Tiger do the things that he did anymore. That's not going to happen. And it's easy to almost get a little sad about that because people always say, you know, you won't know, how's it go? You don't know what you have until it's gone. Well, I think we all understood what we were experiencing watching him in his heyday. And it was a hell of a ride. And maybe he's got one more win in him. I don't know. I don't know what's to come. Golf's one of those sports where... You can get inducted into the hall and still continue to compete at a very high level. But man, it's 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 been a great story up to this point. So I just figured I'd, I'd share some thoughts on that too. All right, last thing uh, this week is uh, stay tuned for something that we're going to try on this podcast. Uh, Nikki Dunnegan, who is a writer on Golf Unfiltered, uh, she has a great idea that uh, we are going to roll out a little mini series, so to speak. And I won't say too much more, but you will definitely see uh, a little bit of chatter about this on social in the coming days leading up to Augusta. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, take care of one another. Stay healthy out there. We'll see you again soon.